business women trust that Jesus is enough to meet every need and satisfy every heart. Praying you will be encouraged and strengthened through this message from the Discipleship Summit. You would take out your scriptures and open them up to First Peter. You're going to look at First Peter two. Start at verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Exodus 19, verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We worship you this morning. We have worshipped you with our song. We have worshipped you in fellowship around the table. We have even worshipped you as we trusted you for rest in the night. So Father, as we come to you today, we worship you with our lives. And we worship you by sitting at your feet and allowing you to be God. We welcome you to reign, as we say. We welcome you to be the Lord and King over this time, we welcome you to be our God, and to speak to our hearts, to show us what it means to be your people. Thank you for your incredible love for us, through the redemption of us through Jesus. And will you take that reality and speak to our hearts today? We pray in Jesus' Yeah. You know, there's something about our identity that is um, seems more important to us in these days than ever before. Mm-hmm. Who who are? <laughs> and I know for me, there's a there's a um, a sense that I am I am Stephanie Lynn Ruff Hogan. That is my full name. <laughs> and there is a there is a rootedness in knowing my name and knowing who I am biologically. This morning, I believe Jesus to show us who we are spiritually to him. What we read in, in 1 Peter um, was written to the Christians who were scattered all over. So I think it's a fitting word for us today 
as we are his people coming together who are scattered <laughs> all over the U.S. and Canada. And this word um, is a you see you see the connection. This word from Peter is is he is referring back to this passage in Exodus. So we are going to look at this first passage to understand what God was trying to do, what not God was trying, what He was doing to create a people, and then to help us better understand what Peter was saying to say, now you are the people of God. So let's let's say in Exodus and look, let's look at it together. Now, it was the third month, if you look at Exodus 19.1, it was the third month after the Israelites had left Egypt. So they had only been set free from slavery for three months. So you can imagine, 400 years of slavery, they are, they, there is a question of now, not only what do we do with ourselves, because we were told, but who are we? And what does it look like to be free? And so God comes, and he offers them a covenant. A covenant of, um, we know the covenant of marriage. Um, he was offering himself to his people. And before, but before he offered himself to them, you'll see that what we looked up in verse, in verse 3, Moses, God calls Moses to come be with them. And he says, this is what you're to tell the people. This is who they are. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. So there is, God set his people free from oppression. He set them free from slavery. He set them free from bondage. Our God is a God. He set them free. And then he didn't just set them free and say, okay, now go figure it out. Like kind of, you know, he set them free and he carried them on, and not just carried them in any way. He carried them on eagle's wings. And I have this sense, I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen an eagle soar, I mean, there is a sense of confidence, of strength, of knowledge, of skill, of this just an effortlessness, like this just soar. And um, we know too, just the small bit I know about eagles, that they are great teachers, that the moms really teach their, their younglings how to fly. And so God says to you, God says to the people of Israel, I, I didn't just say, I set you free, and I carried you. And then I love this. I carried you on eagles' wings, and as I was reading it, I thought, right, and it's the next part is going to say, and I, I'm going to bring you to a promised land where you will settle. No, 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 no. What does it say? I brought you to myself. Is it God's people? He's, he brought them out of bondage, out of slavery, to him, because he loved them, and he loves us today. And he says, now, if you will obey me fully and keep my covenant. So God is laying, laying the foundation of just how much he loves them to say, I would like to offer you a covenant. And a covenant is where one part of the party offers all of themselves for the other part. And so Jesus, the father here, goes first. And he says, I will give you all of myself. I love that God goes first. And inviting us into a relationship with him. You know, it's not, um, but yeah, he just goes first. And isn't it nice to um, have somebody else go first <laughs> in a friendship or in a relationship or in, in, in anything? You know, God himself goes first to say, I want you. And I don't just want you. I want to offer all of who I am to you. And then he says, and so if you will obey me fully, and we'll come back to this, if you keep my covenant, 
then out of all the nations, you will be, and I love that, not you will do, you will be my treasured possession. And a treasured possession says that um, a special treasure is, is a jewel. It's a valued property. It's treasure. It's wealth as closely shut up. I don't know about you, but for me, the treasures that I have, the pearls that my parents gave me when I was 16, the um, sometimes even my, my um, engagement ring, or um, even just special things that I have, I don't just kind of have them hanging around for all to see. They are in a special box, tucked away, because they are my treasure. I treat them so carefully and so specially. And that's what, that's what God does. That's who he says we are. We are his special treasure. And then he says, of all the nations, you will be my special treasure. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. And this is a word about our responsibility. So that as God makes, um, is making his people and drawing them to himself, he says, I don't want to just draw you to myself just for us. I then now want you to be, to go and be a priest. A priest was a ministering servant, a bridge builder, a, a person that would take the people of God to God himself. And so now our God is saying, and I want you to be a bridge builder. I want you to take the world and bring them to me as I have brought you to myself. So Israel is to be the bridge builder between God and all of the world. Now, how? This was the part that blows me away. The next thing, how are we to be bridge, how, is the, how are the people of God to be bridge builders? Well, the next characteristic is to be a holy nation. So we are to show the world what God looks like by bearing his holy nature. What? By being able to carry around the presence of the holy God within us so that people can see who God is. He wanted to show the world who he was, and he said, the best way for me to do that is to make a people mine, to share myself with them, to give them all of me, and then to show them and to teach them what it looks like to, to live with a holy God. Now, it's probably very likely that the people of Israel didn't understand what it meant to be a holy nation yet. And so what do we find in the next chapter? The Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments aren't a, a list of rules to follow. They, I mean, they are, but, but it is more, so much more than that. It is a revelation of what holiness looks like and who God is and a way to enter in. So if Israel is to live with a holy God, she must share his holy nature. Wow. <laughs> so, in the Ten Commandments, so how do we do that? I realize that marriage is, um, it is a, it can be a loaded illustration. God for his people and of, in this world and our brokenness. And yet it's the illustration that, that God shows us throughout his word. 
that he can take um, what the world and what people have broken and show us and reveal his holiness. I think everything in us knows what a, a, a true marriage is to look like. And so we see in this covenant, and not only a marriage symbol, but just a symbol of these, of two, of God offering himself to us. That he commits himself to us without reservation. He is not one that's saying, like, I will, I will give myself to you only this much. Like he gives all of who he is to us without reservation because of, just because of who we are. Because we are his and because he loves us. And that's what he wanted to do with, um, and then their obedience to the Ten Commandments. It was an expression of God's own character. And so their obedience was to be a response to what God had done for them to set them free. And I love that even for us today. That God was, God was saying to the people of God first, he was saying to the Israelites, I want you to obey because of the grace that I have shown you. I have shown you grace to set you free. And I have drawn you to myself. Now I want you to obey so that you can live in my nature and with me. This is how you live with me. No, you kind of have house rules, right? So if you are going to, or if your children are going to, if your family members or those who come into your home to stay with you for an extended time, if they are going to enjoy the benefits of your cooking, of your cleaning, of your love, of who you are, and just enjoy the fellowship together, there is a sense that they have to come into your home and participate in the life that you offer them, right? Like, it is not a, a mother's um, child has to, to yield themselves, to submit and say, yeah, a teenager has to be like, yeah, I need to be home at this time that mom says. I need to help with the dishes. I need to do these things in, in order to participate in the life and the goodness and the joy of a family, to live in my parents' love. And that's what God is saying to his people in this, is, okay, maybe here are the rules. Not to be mean or firm, or but here are the rules. If, if I'm going to share my love with you, this is the only way that you can take me in. This is the best way to take me in. This is actually how I make you. And what I love about this is that you will see all throughout history, all throughout the Bible, is that God refers back to this covenant exchange, and then even further back to his, the covenants. But in Deuteronomy 29, 13, I'll just read it to you. Um, the people of God are, are kind of struggling. And so God reminds them that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he may be God to you. So he constantly comes back to this covenant um, because he wants to establish the Israelites as his people so that he can be their God. There are days when um, life is harder than others. And 20 years ago, I said yes to my husband and gave him all of myself. And eight years ago, I gave birth to a baby girl and said, I will be your mama. And six years ago, I gave birth to a son and said, I will be your mama, and I'm going to do the best I can with God's help. Those were, those were covenant moments of one whole yes of all of Stephanie, um, for all of Bryce, for all of my kiddos. And there are moments where God says, I want all of you. Will you give me, will you let me be your God? 
Would you let me give you all of myself? And then would you give me all of yourself in return so that we can have the sacred bond that I want to, I want to have with you? I want to be your daddy. I want to be uh, like a nurturing mama to you. I want to be all that you need me to be. But there takes, there takes, there takes a mutual yes. And so in the moments that are hard, <laughs> my yeses, my daily yeses, go back to when I said yes in those physical relationships, as well as when I said yes to Jesus. Jesus, I say yes to you today. And I can stand on the big yeses that I said to you in my life when I gave you everything. And when you met me with all of who you are. I was at a Christian camp, and, uh, and the missionaries were talking um, after they finished their, their puppet show. And um, they talked about, would anybody like to give Jesus all of themselves? And I, that was new. I just, I hadn't thought about that before. To give Jesus all of me? And in my mind, I immediately began to think, well, I think that's going to mean, like, who I, who I, who I marry. I think that's going to mean what I do with my life. I mean, it's kind of like my whole little life flash before my eyes. And I want to tell you, there was a sweetness and a love. A sweetness and a love. It was not a call from a missionary. It was an invitation from God himself to my heart that said, Stephanie Landroft, will you, would you trust me with all of you? And I wrestled. And the missionaries were so patient, they just said, just. And, in the, and as I stepped forward in fear and trembling and said yes, a love met me like I had never known. It was a love. It was a love. It was a love. And then again, 10 years later, I heard the message for the first time of all of me for all of Jesus. All of Jesus for all of me. And as I, even as I walked, um, before I even got to that, that service, there was a stirring in my heart that God wanted to do something more. Mm -hmm. And I thought, God, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something. And in that moment, I, could, I, I was able to, again, there was a love that was drawing. It wasn't the speaker. It was God himself saying, there's more now. Ten years later, there's more of you to give me. What do you give me? And again, in this love, he met me. And I think, um, and then just again, recently, now there's more to give. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? And he has proved himself trustworthy every single time. Let's look at First Peter and say, see what the word is to our, to the, to the now, to this new believer. So we just looked at God creating the people for himself in the, in the original people, the, the Israelites. And so now we come to this place where Peter, Peter is talking to, uh, to the, to the brand new church. And I think it's awesome. So we're in First Peter. We're going to look at First Peter two in a minute. But I think it's awesome that we hear from Peter, because you can remember Peter's life, right? Close to Jesus, walk with Jesus, denied him in the end, 
just flat out denied him three times, not just once, but three. And Jesus, in his love and mercy, says, I'm not done with you. Right? And he says, on the church, I'm going to build you. And so we see now, even after Peter's um, rejection of Jesus, we are reading the fruit of his yes. So our yeses are never just for ourselves. <laughs> they impact all those around us and the generations to come. So God, if God was, and he was, God was preparing the people for himself in, in, with the Israelites so that he could be their God and they could be his people and he, they could be a kingdom of priests to be a bridge builder to show the world how good God is and what he looks like. And so now we see Peter quoting the same passage, um, the same passage, and he does it, he starts out um, in verse 4, if you will look at verse 4, he begins um, with, with our Messiah, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says to the people, the new body of believers, of Christians, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. So let's just stop right there for a minute. We come to him. And there is something to that, isn't it? He invites us to come, but we have to respond. We have to come to him in order to enter into this beautiful covenant that he offers us. In order to receive the love of my husband, I had to walk down the aisle. There was, a, there was an action on my part, and there is an action on our part that we must come to him. And we're not coming. We are coming to this incredible image of our Savior who is alive, he is living, and he is the stone. He was rejected by men, but chosen by God. So if any of you today are feeling rejected, you're in company with your Savior Jesus, who was rejected by men, but chosen by God, as you are chosen today. <coughs> My children, um, during COVID, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do with two little ones. So we would often take walks to this gazebo and little pond that was near our house within walking distance. And a, and a family decided that they would just paint rocks and put them out, just happy little rocks. And um, so my, but my, the highlight of our day was walk, for our, our whole street, was walking to the lake. And mom, can we choose a rock? Yes. Yes, you may. So they would pour over it, and they would choose one. And uh, I want you to know today that you are chosen. God has chosen you. There is no default. There is like, oh, I'm stuck with her. He has chosen you. Much more beautiful than a painted rock, I might say. <laughs> Which lined our whole entire. You are chosen. God was, Jesus was chosen by God and precious to him. Isn't that sweet to think about for a minute? That Jesus was precious to his Father? He was precious to him. And we are invited into that preciousness. So God says, You also, Peter says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put 
to show you. I want to skip down to verse 9. And I want us to um, look at, at the part that Peter talks to the body of believers. And he says, I want to read it again, and then we're going to go back to it. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Stop there. You see, there's that chosen again. You're chosen. Look at these adjectives, if I can be Englishy for a minute. You are chosen. You are royal. The people of God are holy, and they belong. I don't actually know what's We are, you are chosen. He's chosen you. You're not lost. You're not forgotten. You're not forsaken and rejected. He sees you. And he's chosen. Not because you are, have it all together. Not because you are beautiful, strong, <coughs> not because your family is this or that. Mm -mm. All of these people that Peter's talking to, none of them had, they were all, they were all people who had left a, a sinful life to follow the Savior. As are we. He chose us. In our sin, he chose us. And he says that you are royal priests. Royal. That's us. Kingdom of priests. Royal. Worth. And a holy nation. A people set apart to carry the presence of the triune God. Of the, of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We get to bear, we get to carry the image, the reality, the presence of God in our hearts and lives. And then, we are God's very own possession, or another verse says, a people belonging to God. Another version says. Now, when um, my husband and I first got married, we, I joined him. He was working in Mississippi at the time at a, at a school, and so I joined him there. And I uh, kicked out his roommate and <laughs> welcomed me in. <laughs> One of the first things we did when we moved in, when I moved in, was to get it all clean and get it all ready. Mm -hmm. Now, my mom will attest I am not the tidiest of people. Oh, and so to get it all clean was like, what is she doing? And I remember being out there. One of my favorite days of my whole life was being out with my husband, scrubbing the windows and getting the windows clean on this old, like wonky rental house. And it was one of the happiest times of my life. And I remember somehow word trickled back to me that, um, that my dad said, she cleaned the windows? She never cleaned our windows. And the wise woman said, they weren't hers. All of a sudden, this wonky old house was mine. It belonged to me. And Jesus says, you belong to me. I would like for you to belong to me if you would let me belong to you. And he says that, and he calls us to himself, and he sets us free and does all these wonderful things and makes us his own. And do you see this? Oh, I can't move on. Hang on. You be long. You belong. You belong here. You belong in the heart of God. You belong in the heart of your Savior. You belong in the heart of the Holy Spirit. You have a home and you have a place that is only for you. No one else can fill it. You belong. And until you come home and sit in that seat that is set for the table, God's heart is sad and misses you. There's a place in his heart and you belong. And I want to tell you, ladies, that has meant so much to me, getting ready for this. I belong. 
I have a place of security. I have a place of love. I have a place where I'm known and seen, and so do you. You get to declare the praises. All of this is so, and I still can't quite get my mind around it, but all of this, chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, people belonging, that you may declare the praises of him. Declare the praises. And I, I think it's so much more than just our actual singing worship, that our lives as we live chosen, as we live as bridge builders, royal priests, as we live holy, set apart, as our lives, how we live, reflect the character and nature of God who lives within us, then that is that brings in praise. Our lives declare his praise. Of him who called him out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what the rest of the verse is. He calls you. He, called, he was calling this people. And he calls us today. Can you hear him? I'm calling you. I'm calling you out of darkness and into his light. I have walked with Jesus for a very long time, and I am so grateful. And in these past two weeks, I'm getting ready for this. God has shown me more places than I ever knew existed that were still in darkness. Wounds, pain, lies, all the places I didn't even know where, um, where the enemy was just going to keep me bound back there a little bit so that I had this much freedom and not this. So don't be, and here's the thing I love about the light. I mean, It's light. Think of light for a minute. It is healthy. It is life-giving. It is nurturing. It is, it is warming on a cold day. It is, it is light. And, and um, you can run in the light. You can, you can be free in the light. Like you can see in the light. And in darkness, there is this. Right? You can't begin to kind of, I begin to, I begin to cave in on myself. I can't see, I trip, I stumble, I, I don't understand, I think, I think a tiny little my light is light when um, I can't hear. And so Jesus is saying, no parts, I don't want any part of you in darkness. He is calling us today out of darkness and into his light. And his light isn't just light, it's wonderful light. And we can trust him. Once you were not a people, verse 10, but now you are a people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you've, you've got these Israelites, no identity, right? What we read in Exodus, they had no identity but slavery. And God's saying, nope, no more. I'm calling you out of darkness into myself so that you can be my people. Once you and I didn't belong to God, but now he's saying, you belong to me. We are God's people. And once you have not received mercy, now you have received mercy. And again, in the strongest concordance, I love it. It's compassionate. God, the word mercy is a compassionate by word or deed. It's active, especially active. And it comes with an uncertain affinity. I like that part. God has, this, he has an affinity for us. And a compassion that is especially active and tender. So in darkness, we cannot receive mercy. It is only in his light where we can receive his mercy. Whether it's healing, whether it's forgiveness, whatever it is, 
It's in the light that he can come and do his great work. But there's a part for us to play. And this is where I want us to kind of come back up to verse 4. And even before I do verse 4, <laughs> the way um, to enter in, as, as we are going to see in just a second, is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is our way into the light. He is our way into being chosen. He is our way into the Father. It is, it is through Him. It is through Him because He was the living stone rejected, but chosen and precious. So it's so on the cross is when Jesus took our sin and He took our shame. And he took our wounds and our pain. And he took the sin upon himself that we have done. And he took the sin upon himself that was done to us. If we will let him, he will take all of that upon himself. And we do not have to bear it any longer. But there is, there is, there is this, this part that is ours, this if, right, that we read before. If you will obey. So here we come to where the rubber meets the road. This is our if. And this is what we see that Peter is saying here. And this is um, our last section that we're going to look at and then we'll be through. But it's, he talks about in verse 7, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, we see in verse 8, it is a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So there is a choice here between believe or but to those who do not believe, which is actually like um, disbelief, <laughs> do not believe. There is, there is trust and believe and live in all of the goodness of God. And then there is reject or disbelieve or disobey. And it is, it is the world that caves in on us. And it is really that, that, that diabolical. Like it is, there is no, there is no both and. Just like with your their children, there's not the they you know, there's either, either you do it or you do it. Or you do it. Um, so, so this morning, um, there's a part, do we, do we trust, do we believe Jesus and who he says he is? Not do we believe the Jesus of our own creation, that's easy to manipulate and control, not do we believe even who other people have um, portrayed Jesus to be to us, that is not actually who he is. Do we know and believe the Savior, of the, the Jesus, that was the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to the Father? So we have taken some time to look at the word, to look at who what God did in the Old Testament, what God did to the original people of God to say, I will be your God, you will be my people. And then we've taken some time here to say, um, okay, now what does it look like to be the New Testament church? What does it look like to be, this is the new Israel. What Peter is saying is, God's promise to you, to you as the body of believers, you are the new Israel, you are the new people of God. So that's what, that's the connection there, that's just incredible. Um, and we are going to take some time. What is your identity? Who is your identity in? One of the things that the Lord has been showing me in the past couple of weeks getting ready is 
My identity was in things and in people and in situations and in feelings um, that were that were happening. They were they were that was real, but I was I was making them my identity instead of who I am in Christ. So, my Father, thank you. This word is incredible. You are incredible. And Jesus, and we just are putting our toes in the water of who you are and your goodness. So would you take us in just a little deeper to yourselves? Would you lead us, Father? Thank you that you know each one of us by name and that you know the needs in our hearts and that you long to meet them. So Jesus, thank you that you're already where we're going to go. Be You're already with us now. And uh, we welcome you to meet us. In Jesus' name, amen.